Well, you sure you haven't got a little bit of anointing this morning. I come down to pray for the sick. There was <clears throat> some people gather in what we, of an early Sunday morning, what I had to catch there. I just hadn't come here at the church. And I, I always think it's better to pray for the sick around church. I don't know. I like church. And to come down here where the congregation, the people out here praying. And there was a little girl back there, the prettiest little girl. Well, I think she's sitting somewhere out here now. The people didn't go home. Oh, I see. And yeah, that's the prettiest little thing. And she uh, is very sick. And uh, I was listening when uh, we heard the message of tongues and interpretation go forward. And we was listening and we thought we understood that something was said about a little girl. And we were waiting to see if the Lord gave a message, what to say in there. But I think the little girl's all right now. It's going to be well. And um, so, um, and there's a lady that lost her sight also and was praying for her. And some man in an ambulance out there, a minister, I don't guess the man would weigh 35 pounds or 40. It's it's very, very. um, And um, so I come down uh, to pray for them. And the reason I was kind of hesitant a lot, a feeling dropped out of my tooth, and I'm whistling to myself this morning across that place out of my tooth <laughs> uh, in front there. And they tell me now I've got to have them ground off and um, caps put over them. And um, so this old age is creeping up. So <laughs> and uh, I had a feeling in that, kind of half of it, and when I start to speak, you can feel that the wind kind of push out, <laughs> you know what I mean, out across your lips, and it makes you kind of... List like we are indeed a privileged people to be alive this morning and to be able to come to church. And on this eve of Christmas, uh, waiting for this celebration that they have, which I, I hope I, I have too many kids here this morning, so I just keep still. <laughs> and um, we adults sometimes we speak things that kids shouldn't even hear, you know. But uh, I think the church has got a little present here for the little kiddies at you. While I was just looking at the door back there, oh, you want to stay at your Sunday school, you just hold on, see. Because I, I think they got some presents back there for the little fellows to give out this morning. And um, when I, uh, you little fellows remember, while we're doing this, I want to make this clear, it's not Santa Claus. Because <laughs> that's a story that someday you'll learn that's nothing to it. But it's from Jesus Christ, the truth of all truths, the Son of God. And we're giving you this little present this morning because it's letting you know that one time God gave the greatest present could ever be given to the human race, His Son. And um, we have a poor way of expressing it, and there's nothing we could give to compare with that. But just as mortals one to another, we do that. Now, I was going to wait till next Sunday. And... I probably will anyhow, uh, upon something that I wanted to say. And something has uh, been been made known to us up home of a vision that I must follow it out. And it's kind of a, kind of seemingly would be kind of rough, but we never want to think that what God says is rough, is his burdens are light. And uh, being that Next Sunday, God willing, we're going to have a, a service here that's just before uh, New Year's Eve, if the Lord be pleased with us to have this service. And we want to have a morning service, prayer for the sick, and perhaps a baptismal service. 
Then I thought, advertise it out to our friends that they could come in. Then we'll have uh, Sunday morning and Sunday night, and then the people want to stay over for New Year's. Then we have a go to heaven. Watch this now. Yeah. There'll be several ministers here. We'll be speaking New Year's night. Come on till midnight, and uh, and we invite such ministers to come and speak. The Lord willing, I want to be one of them that has something to say on New Year's night. Amen. And then next Sunday, I thought I would bring up a line of things that's being done, that's been done, uh, show how God is dealing with his people and bring it right up into a, a climax uh, here at the church. And um, many of you are wondering about this uh, income tax affair that we've been going through with. It's settled. And so uh, I want to tell you how that happened also. And I think uh, it would be to have to tell it over again next Sunday. So I'll just wait till next Sunday and try to speak to you a little bit this morning out of the Word. Amen. And, and next Sunday I will, will try to, if God willing, to tell you how it all come about and bring to you each one of the things that the Lord said and watch it hit just exactly to its spot. Just place it Amen. exactly to the spot. See? He does not tell anything wrong. But now, one thing that I wish to say this morning that I probably won't, will not next Sunday, is concerning something that happened yesterday. I was a little reluctant on coming in this morning because I really kind of torn up so that I, I don't um, feel much like it. But being that I'm here, well, I'll try the best that I can. Night before last... Uh, I had company, brother and sister Sothman, as we know here, one of the trustees of the church and his wife came up to visit wife and I. And uh, we were speaking on the oncoming meetings in Phoenix and around. It'd be the will of the Lord. And uh, we were up till about 10.30, I guess, and I went to bed somewhere around 11. And sometime in the night, I dreamed a dream. And in this dream... I seen someone that was supposed to be my father, a great huge man, just representing, figuratively speaking, my father. I seen a woman that looked like my mother, but yet she was supposed to be my mother. And this man that was supposed to be like the father, the husband of this woman, was cruelly mistreating her. Insomuch they had a great chunk of wood, and he'd hold her up like this and strike her with this chunk of wood, and she would fall out. And go down, and then, and then after a while she'd get back up again, and he'd walk around, take an ocean striker again, he'd strike her again, and I was standing off at a distance watching it. Finally, I just got fed up on it, and I was way smaller than this man was supposed to be, like my father. So I walked up to him and put my finger in his face. I said, "Don't strike her again." And when I did, something began to happen. My arms began to pulsate. And I got great, big, brawny muscles. I've never seen such muscles. I just tucked the man by the collar and I said, don't strike her again. If you do, you'll have to deal with me if you strike her again. And the man got scared of me and left her alone. I woke up. Well, laying there just in a moment, of course, the interpretation of that come. That was, of course, the woman, figuratively speaking, is the church, which is kind of the mother. The father is the denomination over her that dominates over the church like the husband over the wife. 
And it's the, these denominations striking that church and don't even let her get on her feet like that. Just every time she tries to get up or do something, the people in there, the denomination strikes her down. And it just means to put some, some face muscles out here just to keep sticking my finger out there and saying, you're dealing with me. See? Because there's some people in there that belongs to God. And uh, that was all right. About, we'd been up about two hours or three, I guess. And my uh, daughter, one of them, Rebecca, back there, she works at the Methodist Hospital in Louisville. It's all that amateur form of nurse training. It's candy stripers, they call them, or something like that. And she was, um, she, they called her to come over that morning, and that's what got me up. And uh, it's early, and she with some other little school colleague here, they, they worked there together and was going to take them over to Louisville. They had to be there at 10 o'clock. And the wife wondered why she couldn't get in the bedroom. I had it locked. Now, I have had many things to happen in my life, but I never had anything like that. I went into a trance. I don't know the interpretation. I've never had anything like it in my life. But before me, it's seemingly that I realized that it was a vision and I was in the vision. But I was talking to my son, Joseph, which he was not in the room at the time. But somehow, just as it struck me, I was talking to Joseph. And I, I looked up, and kind of in the shape of a pyramid, standing before me, was a little small bird, something like a half inch long. And they were up at the top on the limbs. There was a they say three or four, and X Lim had maybe eight or ten, and down at the bottom had fifteen or twenty. And they were little warriors because their feathers were beaten and looked like they were trying to talk to me, saying something. And I was in the west, seemingly around Tucson, Arizona. And the birds were looking east, and I was listening close. The, was trying to say, looked like they were trying to tell me something. And they had little feathers has all been beat up and things. They were pretty well battle-scarred. Then all of a sudden, one bird began to take the other one's place, jumping like that, and they, the little birds swiftly left flying eastward. And when they did, from that came a larger bird, more like doves with the pointed wings. And, and, um, and they come in a swarm, and swiftly, more swift than what the little birds was, flew eastward, and I still, in my, the two consciences together, I knowed I was standing here, and I knowed I was somewhere else, see, and I thought, now this is vision, and I must learn what this means, and no more than the second group of birds come by, I looked to the west, and it looked like in the form of a pyramid, like uh, two on each side with one at the top came five of the mightiest angels i ever seen in my life. Such a terrific speed I've never seen. Their heads back and their pointed wings just sailing quickly. And the power of Almighty God struck me in such a way that it lifted me plumb from the ground, all the way from the ground. Up. I could hear Joseph still speaking. And sound like a sound barrier breaking. It, it, a great roar went off way in a distance to the south. And when I was lifted up, and there was such a terrific speed of the angels, and I, I can just see them right now. See, as, as they were coming, and that 
a shape like that just sweeping right into me. Now, I'm not dreaming now. No, I was right there wide awake as I am now, see. But here it come, and they were so terrifically fast, I thought when it lifted up, I heard that explosion like or like a blast that went out, like a sound barrier. And when it did, I thought, well, this must mean that I'm fixing to be killed, see, and a blast of some sort. And, um, and I, I, while I thought all those things, I thought, no, it wouldn't be that, because if it was a blast, it would have got Joseph too, because there he is still talking, thinking I'm there. I can hear him. It wasn't that. Now, this is all still in the vision. It wasn't. See, it's in the vision. And then all at once, as I realized that I had been, they were around me, I couldn't see them, but I've been brought into this uh, constellation of a pyramid of them, inside this constellation. Of, of angels, of five. And I thought, uh, death angel would be one, five would be grace. I was thinking that, I thought, oh, it's the, it's coming with my message. That's my second climax. They're coming to bring me the message from the Lord. And I screamed out with all my might as loud as I could, oh, Jesus, what would you have me do? And when I did, I just, just went away from me. I, I I haven't felt just right since. See? I was all day yesterday. I had to stay in a house, almost feeling beside myself. I can't make my mind get clear. And the glory and power of the Lord. I was numb all over when it left me. I was trying to rub my hands, and I thought I can't catch my breath. And I walked around and to the floor and back and forth. And I thought, What does it mean, Lord? What does it mean? And then I stopped and I said, Lord God, your servant is, I just cannot understand why, what was that? Make it known, Lord. Well, when the, I can't tell you about when I say power of the Lord. There's no way to explain that. It isn't what you feel here in the blessings. That's the blessings of the Lord. This is a sacred, oh my, it's, it's beyond anything that a mortal could even imagine, see? And it, uh, and it was bothering me real bad. It don't, it is a blessing. It's a bother. You're troubled. See? It, uh, is, is, if you could only, if I could only get some way that I could tell the people what that was or what, Amen. what the feeling of it was. It, it isn't just like sitting here and wanting to rejoice. It's, it's something that ever nerve in you. Just, it's beyond scare. It's beyond frightened. It's a holy, a reverence of uh, a high, there's no way to explain it. Even to my entire back, up and down my spine, through my fingers, up and down on my feet and toes, my whole being was just numbed, see, just like it was, you went out of the world somewhere. And, um, and it was uh, leaving me gradually, and I said to the, to the Lord, will you just let me know, O oh God? Uh, I guess the closest that ever come of being that strong again was when I was in Zurich, Switzerland that time when they showed me that German eagle watching that uh, English uh, horse rider come down through Africa. And he said, all has sinned and come short of the glory. And I was crying out to the Lord to help me. And uh, I, I wanted him to give me the interpretation because I wondered if it meant, if it meant that I was going to go away, I was going to be killed. And uh, if it was, I wasn't going to say anything to the family about it. 
It's my time to go home. I just go home. That's all. But if uh, if that's what it meant, I didn't want to tell the family. I didn't want them to know nothing about it. Just let it be done, and that that would be all of it. And I said, Lord, help me. I don't want to tell the family. If if you're it's my call home, uh, I'll be going. You see. And I said, and uh, you know, you're, you said, well, why don't you think about what you said in the vision? What the vision said? But you can't think of things like that. Then you, uh, I can't anyhow. And um, I thought, just troubled, upset. You don't know how to think. You can't think. And I said, Heavenly Father, if that meant that an explosion was going to take me, well, let me know now, so I'll say nothing about it. Let your glory and power come up on me again and lift me up again, or let your glory come up on me, and then I'll, I'll know then that it meant, it meant that, and so I can keep it to myself. And nothing happened. So then I said, then, Lord, if it meant that you're going to send your messengers for my commission, then let thy power come again and like cut me out of the room. Uh, so I, I've come to myself with my Bible in my hand uh, and asking God to help me. And when I did, he, he showed me something in the Scripture pertained right to it, right there. Hey. And I thought, could that actually be that How'd I do that? And oh, I, I can't explain these things, folks. It's beyond anything I know about, see? My wife's a very odd woman, one of the best in the world. But a little while I didn't say nothing about it, I went ahead. She knew there was something happening. So when I told her, she said, You know, Bill, I see and hear you and many of those things that, you know, I believe you with all my heart. <laughs> she said, but that really had something, it just seemed to just shakes me, that blasting and that swift coming of those angels like that. Five of them together in a, a constellation of them, like, kind of like, a, like I had that pyramid drawn here, see? It looked to me, at first it looked like, kind of a, in the distance, it looked kind of like that uh, color of doves. And they were in a, in a, coming from this way, and they would look like one, two, three, four, and then one right at the top, making five. And they come at such a speed there is nothing, no jets, no nothing else can compare with that. And I can just see them with their heads kind of turned sideways, and those wings tipped back, full armored, and here they come. So, like that, just come right down and just cut me right into this pyramid of a constellation of them. I seen I was off, up off the ground. I thought maybe I heard way in the distance that roar, boom. Like a uh, uh, a plane when it crosses a sound barrier, you've heard it happen like that, just like a distant roar. I thought this may mean now when I this vision leads me that I'm going to be killed by an explosion or something. I thought here I am, I'm lifted up, and they, they're here somewhere. I'm I'm in this this pyramid of angels here, but I, I don't know. Maybe the Lord is coming to take me home. Then I heard Joseph down there saying, Daddy? No, no. If that's it, it would tuck him too. Then something said, You remember it. I'm waiting, watching for a message that I'll always look forward to, something. And the vision the other day, you know, as I had here not long ago, tell me about what was going to happen, how I was preaching in, from the sun into this place, and, and then he said, Now remember, the second climax is yet to come. I thought, there'll be a message 
You remember my message here? The opening of that capstone where those seven voices and seals is not even wrote in the Word of God. Remember? And it took me into that pyramid. And Junie Jackson, if you're here, that dream that you gave me not long ago, I won't tell it this morning. You were so, God was so perfectly, excuse me for not giving you the interpretation, because I've seen something moving. JT, same thing. And I, I, I knew that. And um, Sister Collins, exactly the same, see? And six of those leading right straight to the same thing. And then the vision that I told you all years ago, it happened just the other day. See? That would happen. And there it is laying right, everything laying right out there. It's just something moving. I don't know what it is. God help me. My prayer. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we are, we are just mortals. And here we stand this morning, and Lord, I, you sent me to lead this little flock and this church. And I'm at my end. I don't know which way, what, where is coming. But I know this one thing, that you said you'd make everything work together for good to them that love you and are called according to your purpose. I pray thee, God, that thy great hand of mercy will be upon us. We truly know that thou art God, and we know that thou art not one who lived in a days gone by, but you live yet today. You always was God. You always will be God. You were God before time, and you'll be God when there is no more time. You'll still be God. And we are in thy hands, Lord. We are just clay, and thou art the molder, the potter. Shape our lives, Lord, in the way that we get the best service to honor Thee. Grant it, Father. We are just in Thy hands. We had no way of bringing ourselves here, or we do not know how we shall go out. The Lord, You give to us life, and You have we give our lives back to You, and in so You have given us in exchange eternal life. Our faith. Breathe that into our very being. And we love thee for this because we know that someday we'll see you and you'll be in your glory and we'll look upon him. And we long to hear those words, it was well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into the joys of the Lord that's been prepared for you since the foundation of the world. Until that time, oh God, when we all meet. Lead us. We are your servants. And we ask forgiveness of our sins. These mighty visions, Lord, is too much for your servant. I don't know what to do. I just know they come. And I can only say what I've seen and what it was said. And sometimes it scares me, Lord. And I wonder what to do. Then I take the Bible and read in there how Isaiah must have felt that day in the temple when he seen those angels of wings over their feet. No wonder he cried out, Woe is me! For mine eyes have seen the glory of the Lord. And it was then the prophet cried out. After he had been cleansed in the temple, when the angel tucked the thongs and 
got a coal of fire and laid it up on his lips after he confessed that he was a man of unclean lips and living with among unclean people. Yet he was a prophet. The angel took the tongs and put the coal of fire upon his lips and cleansed him and said, Now go prophesy. Lord God, Isaiah cried out, You're my Lord, send me. When he said, Who will go for us? For that wicked and adulterous generation. Oh, God, let it repeat again. Amen. Let it come again, O Lord. Send the Holy Spirit with cleansing fire. For I confess I am an unclean lips and dwell in the, this earth here with unclean people. And we're unclean in thy sight, Lord. But oh, send the cleansing power. The Holy Spirit cleanse us, O Lord. Cleanse thy servant, Lord. And then speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. Amen. I'm allowing you to hear that voice. Amen. I'm yours. Amen. Use me, Lord, as you see fit while I lay myself upon your altar. Amen. Let the Holy Spirit cleanse me, Lord, and anoint and send forth, Lord, if you want someone to go, if this is the hour and this is the time. I, I don't know, Lord. I, I just know that I've seen those angels. Thou knowest them things to be exactly the truth. And I pray, Lord, woe is me, so help me. Now bless this people. And we're here today just before the eve of this celebration time of the birth of our Lord. We pray that you'll help us. And this morning, your servant, our brother, Neville, has felt that maybe it would be a time that he should just rest a few moments and maybe I should speak. And I, I pray that you help me now. There's those here, Lord, and all of us are in need of you. So we pray now that you'll bless us as we read your word and meditate for a little while. Let thy spirit come upon us, Lord, and cleanse us and set us on fire with the Holy Spirit, with the message of God fresh from the altar to shake a dying world. Before the approach of the great eternal God, for we ask that in Jesus' name, his dear Son and our Savior, amen. Now, I wish to call your attention to some scripture here and a few notes that I have jotted down. And I believe Doc, or Billy or one of them, told me that won't let out a little bit early on account of the kiddies. They got some presents for it. And you little fellows that just got out of your Sunday school, you you just stick around just a little while. What we say from here may be a little deep for you, but you uh, but you uh, just sit still with mom and papa for a few minutes, and we'll talk to them. Now, <clears throat> over in the Psalms, eighty uh, ninth Psalm, I want to read. A verse or two of the 89th Psalm. I'm going to try to read the 50th, 51st, and 52nd verses of Psalms 89. Now, can you hear all the way back in the back? All right. If you can, raise up your hands. Go. Uh, which is the? Uh, is all these mics alive? Uh, 
Is this one better? Or this one? This one? This one? These two on the side. Right here. These two on the this side. One, this one and this one. All right. I don't know where they're going to tape this or not. It's just kind of an unexpected event this morning, but don't forget now, have all your friends, and I I want you to be sure nearly to try to attend next Sunday's meeting. And they'll soon have the church finished out here, I suppose, and I'll, I'll be back then for this, preach those seven seals if it be the will of God out of the Scripture here. <clears throat> In the book of the Psalms, uh, the 89th chapter, begin with the 51st. Listen close to the reading of the Word now. Remember, Lord, the reproach of thy servants, how I do bear in my bosom the reproach of all the mighty people, wherewith thine enemies have reproached. O Lord, wherewith they have reproached the footsteps of thine anointed, blessed be the Lord forevermore. Amen and amen. I would like to speak to you for a few moments on, I want you to mark that first and read that over and over real good. Maybe it bear reading again right now. Listen close now. Remember, Lord, the reproach of thy servants. How I do bear in my bosom the reproach of all the mighty people. Wherewith thine enemies have reproached, O Lord. Wherewith they have reproached the footsteps of thine anointed. Blessed be the Lord forevermore. Amen and amen. Study it close as David spoke it. I want to use for a text, it's very strange, a Christmas text again, but as I preached last Sunday, on a strange text, I forget what it was now. It was um, uh, the pardon, uh, falling the world falling apart. Now I want to use for a text this Sunday, the reproach for the cause of the word. Amen. Let me repeat it again, real good. The the reproach for the cause of the word. God has a time and a reason for that time to fulfill all His Word. God knows just exactly what He's going to do. We don't. We just have to receive it as He gives it to us. But He knows. And there's nothing going to go wrong with what He He's planned to do. It all has to come about. There has to be sometimes rugged and hard things to only bring out 
the real true nature of the object. You know, rain is born in a jagged, ragged, lightning-strode, thundering sky. And if we didn't have rain, we wouldn't live. But you see what it takes to bring rain? Thunder, lightning, flashing, anger. And out of there comes rain. A seed must die, rot, corrupt, smell, and go back to the dust of the earth in order to bring forth new life. It takes the pounding of gold turned over and over, back and forth and pounded until all the dross is taken out of it. Not because it shines. Because iron pyrite, what is known as fool's gold, shines like um, real gold. But you put the two together, you set them out to one side, you can hardly tell them apart, but put them together, you can tell it. And the beater always has to beat till he, he sees his own image reflecting in the gold. And God sets a time and has a purpose for everything that he does. There's nothing happens just uh, accidentally to those who love the Lord Amen. and are called according to his calling. Amen. We are predestinated. And everything works just right for that because he cannot lie, and he said that was so, that everything has its time, its season. And it has its way, and God is behind every move. And sometimes you think everything's going wrong. It's up to us. Those things are put upon us, trials and wonderings. It's testing to see how we will react on an action. Some time ago, up in Vermont, Brother Fred and I went over on the New York side across the lake, uh, Champlain, and we had uh, got over on the New York side, and I went up in a mountain where that, uh, up on the Hurricane Mountain where I used to hunt. And there I remember when I was lost and how that God uh, would led me back just by the Holy Spirit alone to a storm that I'd have died, perished, and so would my wife and Billy down in a little camp miles away, and I was turned around. And there was just a little snow we pulled through to get into the camp early in the spring, and I was standing there talking to Brother Fred, and the Holy Spirit said, go out to yourself. And I moved out into the bush a little while place, and he told me there's a trap set for you. Be careful now. But he didn't tell me how, what? I come back and told Brother Fred, went to the church that night, the auditorium, announced it to the people. And the next night it happened. And then standing there when he told me, up on some mockers, he said, it's in your hands. Do with them. Whatever you say will happen right now. There you are. Or somebody irreverent, ungodly. And they were making fun and scoffing at the meeting, a young man and a young woman, and he was trying to vulgar love make with her in the building and everybody's attention while I was trying to preach and pull her head back and climb up in her lap and throw her head back and try to kiss her and going on like that in the meeting, drawing the attention. 
And the Holy Spirit said, Now he's we're in your hands. What will you do with them? There was a holy hush, and everybody set deathly quiet. And I thought, Oh God, what must I do? Then I remembered if it hadn't been the warning of the Holy Spirit two days before. I said, I forgive you. Now that was what he wanted me to say. Never. See, because after all, I, I've been guilty maybe not of that, but I'm uh, guilty. And guilty the least is of the whole. Never. So I said, I forgive you. And there's witnesses sitting here now. I was there then. Then the Holy Spirit fell through. Now, you see, I believe that all these things had a meaning. What would you do with the power? How would you see the reaction of an action? Something that has come as an act, then how do you react to that action? Do you understand what I mean? What would you do? And maybe all this is worked up to where we're at now. I, I don't know. I just can't say. But there's always been some way, and remember that the reproach of, of the Word has, the Word has always bore a reproach. All through the ages, God's anointed Word has always been reproached. And that's the reason it's so hard for people who doesn't understand would know how to accept that reproach. Can you remember the disciples returning back and rejoicing because they figured that they were counted worthy to stand the reproach of his name? He said, all that live godly in Christ shall bear a persecution. The reproach of the word. Um, you always have to stand this reproach in order to give your testing to see every man that comes to Christ must first be child trained for the, for the purpose that God has ordained you for. And remember, if you just keep quiet, remember, if he's called you for this, there's nothing that can keep it from happening. Amen. There's not enough devils in torment. What God's word will be made manifest. Hallelujah. You're born for a purpose. And nobody can take your place. You might have impersonators and everything else, but they'll never take your place. Right? God's word will triumph. It cannot fail. That's where every Christian ought to stand. Knowing that, that and trials will come up and seem every way to you. But remember, God has a purpose. And it all will work right. Now, let's just uh, call back a, a few of the uh, events of God's Word being fulfilled. And those who pack the Word in their age. I, I felt in the spirit not long ago that someone was criticizing it. it might have been in the tape land. 
of always referring so much, go back and pick up Bible characters on what I'm saying. Well, I do that for a purpose. Amen. The Bible said these things are written, that we might look at them. And that's the only way, without an education, the only way I can do is refer back and say, you see where this stand, what had happened by it, where this one taken place, see? And then you just place yourself in there. Like I was preaching not long ago on the little boy out on the ship, you know, and, and the old captain was dying, he was sick, and you asked if there wasn't a Bible on board, and they caught the little boy that had the Bible, and he come and read Isaiah 53, 5. He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquity, and he said, let, the, let me tell you, Captain, how that my mother used to read it. So here's the way she wrote it. He was wounded for Willie Pruitt's iniquity. And he was chastised for Willie Pruitt. And all these things that he was done was for Willie Pruitt. That was his name. The old captain said, I like that. Could you read my name in it? He said, I'll try. And he said he was wounded for John Quartz's transgression. He was bruised for John Quartz's iniquity. And with his stripes, John Quartz was healed. He said, I see it. And the Lord healed him. See, read your name in it. He was wounded for William Branham's transgression. He was bruised for William Branham's iniquity. He did that for me. And he did that for you. Read your name into it. Well, that's the way I like to bring the scriptures to my, my people is what he did for somebody else that obeyed him. What he did to somebody else that was true to the cause. And what he did to somebody else that was untrue for the cause. Then you read your name in it. If you would have been there, what stand would you have took? And remember... You've got the privilege today to take the same kind of stand. When Noah, on the reproach of the word that God spoke to him, Noah, there was a reproach. Noah lived in a scientific age where there was a scientific achievement that they were able to manufacture that were beyond anything that we've manufactured today. They were brighter, more intelligent. Their science was far advanced to ours. And just remember, he had to stand the reproach of the word that he preached 120 years in the face of scoffers. Their great scientific uh, ways proved to them that there was no rain in the skies. But yet, Noah had heard the word of the Lord. Amen. And it was contrary to their conception of it. So before his life could be saved, he must stand in the face and bear the reproach that these scoffers reproached him by. Oh, there's no doubt they must have felt sorry for the poor old preacher. They didn't have him put away or anything because maybe there wasn't many houses of that type in that day. He was harmless. He wasn't going to hurt nobody. So they just let him alone. 
Go ahead. He'll fanatic up there on the side of that hill, building a ship way out here where there's no water. Oh, a poor old fella. But they're saying, where are you going to get your water to float your boat, Noah? It's coming down out of the skies. Nonsense. We can shoot the moon and the stars with radar, whatever they had. There's no rain up there. But he said, God said he was going to put some up there. How is he going to do it? That's his business. Only thing I'm supposed to do is warn you to get out of here. Just about the same now. Where's the fire coming from? Brother, it's a little plainer today than it was for Doah's time. We already see where it's at. Just ready to strike off, that's all. Science is already, there's no excuse this time at all, because science has already found it. Yes, sir. So now we find out that it was quite a thing. So they felt sorry for the poor old preacher and just let him go. Uh, uh, it was a strange thing, maybe, to them people to think that a man that was supposed to be intelligent and would believe that God, the creator of heavens and earth, would do something or say something that he was going to do, which was contrary of their way of thinking. What they had, maybe you didn't get it. Look, but they thought that they could prove every natural thing by their science. If that isn't the kind of a world we're living in today, an intellectual, educational uh, uh, world full of science. And anything that they could prove that was wrong, God's, no God could ever speak anything that was could be scientifically proven that it wasn't there. Now, they have the same idea today. If your doctor says that you have cancer, you've got to die, and the science proves that you've got cancer and it's in an advanced stage, it's silly to think anything different. Because you're going to die. That's all. Science says you're going to die. They've examined in you. That's all of it. You're going to die. And they think it's crazy. If you try to say that God promised to do it. See, like it was, you have to stand that reproach. They say if the doctor says here, we look through and the cancer is advanced, we open you up, it's all through your body, through your heart, through your lungs, through your liver, all over. It's impossible. So you see what you say, but... He's going to live anyhow. They say, well, poor fella, just let him alone. I remember the night, Bill Hall, Brother Hall down at the Milltown Church. Many of you remember the case. And when he, they called me out, my wife, mother-in-law and I went out here. He married a girl that was the sister, I believe, to George Cup, was the mayor of the city or the judge here. Uh, his, uh, that was his brother-in-law. They brought him up here to die. The doctor in Milltown, the doctor knew all me, diagnosed his case as cancer of the liver. So I went in to see Miss Hall, and he took jaunders and his yellow all over. And I said, well, I suppose he's going to die. And I said, she said, Brother Bill, is there any way that, have, can you hear from God? I said, I, I don't know, Sister Hall, I can pray. I prayed, and I went back home, and 
the Lord said nothing to me. Then I went back the next day and I prayed again and she said, do you know any good doctor? I said, well, our family doctor is Dr. Sam Adair. Uh, down here in Jeffersonville, he's, he, he's, his father was our family doctor. And young Sam and I have always been bosom friends. And, and we went to school about the same time and been raised up together. We always go to him when anything is wrong. She said, wonder if he'd come look at Bill Hall, her husband. I said, I'll ask him. Well, Sam said to me, he said, Billy, if uh, the doctor said he had cancer, said, there's only one thing we do, I'll send him to somebody that's smarter than I am, to a specialist, and we'll take the x-rays, and we won't put him in any, any more trouble. We sent to the New Albany, got the x-rays from the doctor down there, took him to Louisville and examined him, took him over to ambulance and brought him back. Well, of course, he wouldn't say to Miss Hall what was his trouble, so he called me, he said, he's going to die. Said your preacher friend. Said the specialist in Lowell has just called me and said the diagnosis the doctor's given and down in Milltown and the doctor at New Albany gave the right kind of a diagnosis and said it is cancer of the liver and it's advanced and Billy, we can't cut the man's liver out and him live. Said he's going to die. And if he's a preacher he ought to be ready. I said, That's not the question. But he is over about fifty five years old. So he's still got plenty of life in him yet to preach. And I said, well, if he's going to die, that settles it then. Thank you, Dr. Sam. And I went out and called Miss Hall out, and I told her, I said, Miss Hall, I, Sam said that the diagnosis of Louisville there was the same as it was of New Albany in Milltown. The man's dying. Brother Hall's going to die. And he's got cancer in the liver, and it's advanced. And so she started crying. I turned around, prayed with him. And he was so beyond himself then until he didn't know that I was in the room. So I come back, and a lot of people was coming to the house in those days. There was nobody else on the field that hadn't been contaminated with so much. And the people was coming from everywhere. And I wanted to rest a little, so I slipped in, got up early about 2.30 or 3 o'clock. Uh, Brother Woods hadn't moved up in the lane yet. And I looked out on the runway, and there was no... Nobody out there, so I got my old hat and slipped into the den room and got my twenty-two rifle, and I was going to go out and squirrel hunt. So they got up to about 8 o'clock and then lay down by a tree somewhere and get me a little sleep. You couldn't get it around home. I got my hat and started through the room. Hanging on the wall was an apple, and it was the, the most contaminated apple. It was worm-eaten, and it was knotty, it was scabby all over. And I thought, what did Needy hang that on the wall for? And I noticed again, and it wasn't on the wall. It was hanging out in the air. I jerked off my old hat, set the rifle in the corner and fell on my knees. I said, Lord, what would you have your servant know? Down come another one, down come another one. Till about four or five apples, I forget now just which it was, hung there. Then a great, big, pretty apple strikes in it. Just a very big, healthy-looking apple. Come down and chomped up those uh, other scavenged-looking apples. And he said, rise. Stand on your feet. Say, go down, Bill Hall. He's not going to die. He's going to live. Oh, I run as quick as I could. And I said, 
flood, I stood there with a false city um, transfer company and was telling them about uh, uh, there was going to be 30 new feet of water, I believe it was, on Spring Street. They laughed at me. They said, poor Billy, I guess he, that kid, I was just a boy then. He said, Billy's a good kid. It's a shame he got all mixed up. I wasn't mixed up. I've been baptized in. Not mixed up. I was just in. And it happened just that way. Since I've been speaking, I noticed Sister Hattie Wright, I believe, sitting back there. She remembers that case of, uh, about Bill Hall. Many, how many of your presidents morning remembers the case? Oh, my. Sure as many of you. <laughs> now, they feel sorry for us. Feel sorry for anybody that tries to hold to the Word. In the days of scoffers, but remember, the reproach must come. It's always been that way. They must have thought, as they did then, that God, after anything was scientifically proven, that God wouldn't speak anything that was against science. Well, that's what makes him God. If he just went according to science, then it wouldn't be no more than just what man could achieve. But he's God. He's a, he's a creator of science. Amen. He can do what he wishes to. They must have thought poor old Noah well left the old fellow alone. He's missing all the fun that we're having in these days. So just let him alone. It's about the same now. But now I want to say another thing right here. Now we look back and admire his faith. But I wonder if we lived in that day, would we have took the same stand at Noah took? Would we be able and willing to stand the reproach that went with the truth? When of all the millions there was in the world then, there was only Noah and his family that stood for that truth. Did you think of it? Just that man and his three sons and his daughter-in-laws and his wife was the only one who stood for that truth. But they had, thus saith the Lord. Amen. We look back and mind. Could we think it again? i got to hurry because of these kiddies' uh, presence. Abraham. The very word Abraham means father of many. Make him a father of nations. Now, Abraham... Heard the word of God. Abraham was a prophet, and he heard the word of God. And um, uh, we admire Abraham for his holding to God's word. How did he separate himself from his kinfolk? 
How hard it was for Abraham. He is brought up there, come down from Babel and, and was down there in the, uh, the land of Shinar and the, the Chaldeans and the city of Ur, where all of his associates, his people, and those he went to church with and everything. But God said, separate yourself. Oh, my. What a horrible thing that was. To leave all that he held dear. Everything that was real to him that he held dear. And God told him, separate yourself. And give him a very odd thing. You're going to have a baby by your wife. And he was 75 and she was 65. It ceased to be with her as women. As of the order of women was going to bring children for years. And here, after living with her, since she was a girl, because she was his half-sister. And then, how could he ever bring that child? And now, could you imagine of Abraham going out amongst his associates and saying, we're going to have a baby, Sarah and I. Could you imagine that? What if people said to poor old fella, there's something wrong with him. Uh, it's a reproach, but Abraham held on to it. And when he was a hundred years old, he never staggered at the promise of God. He still stood the reproach. Sure. Holding on to it. Did you notice the difference in there? Sarah tried to give Abraham or give God, brother, a little bit of help by herself. She thought, you know, that uh, uh, otherwise than what God promised. Now, you know, I'm an old woman. But Hagar here is a beautiful woman. Abraham won't mind marrying her too. So you know that'll, that'll help God. That'll help God because Hagar here, she's probably only 20 years old. She's my maid. And you know what I'll do? I'll give her to my husband for a wife because polygamy was legal. So he said, I'll give her and she'll have a baby by my husband and then I'll take the baby and that's the one God promised. You see, we always try to do something. Yes, amen. Can't wait for him. We got to do it something ourselves. Might have been all right. She might have been pretty. It might look very good. But it wasn't according to the word. God told Abraham the baby was coming by Sarah. And you remember what he said about the little flock? These signs will follow them that believe. As it was in the days of Noah, so will it be in the coming of the Son of Man, wherein a few, even eight souls, were saved. Those words can't fail. So let's watch ourselves closely and stay with the Word. All right. See, the people are always trying to manufacture something to take the place of God's creative will. You see... As I've often said, and maybe before the church before, you know, you could not ask the sheep, will you manufacture me some wool? No, he can't do that. Now, a goat cannot manufacture wool because his nature won't let him. No matter how much you try to tie sheep wool on a goat, it won't work. The goat cannot manufacture wool. And a sheep does not manufacture hair. But he has wool because he is a sheep. That's what makes him. He don't manufacture. We're not supposed to manufacture the fruits of the Spirit. We're supposed to bear the fruit of the Spirit. 
Amen. Apple tree don't manufacture apples. It just bears it because it's an apple tree. And if we try to manufacture anything, I'll help the cause. I'll study for ten years in the seminary. I'll learn this, that, or the other, and get my Bachelor of Art and my doctor's degree. I'll help the Lord alone. It won't work. God, by predestination, calls you. He will. Amen. He gives a kingdom to every who He desires to give it to. We learned that by Nebuchadnezzar. We learned that by, by Jeremiah. When God told him that by the word of the Lord that there was going to be a time that Israel was going to be carried away into Babylon for 70 years. Here come another prophet up. He already told him, saying, you'll have prophets. Oh, rise up. And you'll have them down there in Babylon. That'll rise up in dreamers and prophets. That'll prophesy contrary to this, but tell the people not to listen to those people. Amen. And up come a man by the name of, of uh, one of the prophets, Ahana. And when, and when Jeremiah was standing there with a yoke over his neck, up come Hanan. The thus saith the Lord, in two full years, all the vessels of the Lord. Now, fundamentally, it seemed very good. God's going to bless His people. He's going to bring back everything just exactly in two years. And the Bible said, even the prophet Jeremiah said, Amen. Amen, Hannah. May the Lord make your words come to pass. But let us think of something, Hannah. There's been prophets before us. And they prophesied against Great nations of war and so forth. But remember, the prophet is known after his prophecy has been made manifest. Yeah. Then Hana come up, grabbed the yoke off of Jeremiah's neck before all the priests and the congregation, maybe a million and a half people, and tucked that yoke that God had put up on Jeremiah's neck for a sign and broke it to pieces and threw it on his seat, disenthused, and said, Thus saith the Lord. In two years you'll be back. Jeremiah just looked at him as contrary to the word. So he just walked away and God said, go back and tell him that I never spoke to him. He was just enthused. He took his own impression. See, he never waited till actually he saw it and knowed it wasn't him that it was God saying it. He went back all enthused. If we find across the country today, one of our tapes is being played recently in a home where a group of ministers was right then convinced and was coming to be baptized into the name of Jesus Christ. And a man rose up in the rooms and spoke in tongues and said, Thus saith the Lord, hold on to what you got. Just keep on going on. I'll bless you. They said, Well, if the Lord said that, I guess that's it. You see, it isn't examined with the Word. Amen. It's got to take the Word first. Yes, amen. There you are. It was contrary to the Word. Here comes Jeremiah back, that anointed prophet. God told him, he said, I know, Hannah broke that wooden yoke over your neck and I put, I'm going to make one out of iron. <laughs> he said, and all these nations that I has went down to serve Nebuchadnezzar, my servant, and he was a heathen. See, and Israel keeping all their sacrifices, but they wasn't, see, God made a promise that he had blessed, but them blessings are under conditions, and you've got to meet those conditions to make that work. Amen. Setting a while ago with a little sweet girl here. First, I comb that family through to see if there's anything wrong. God will heal, but it's under conditions. Amen. Only thing I found was a mother 
afraid it was wrong to take medicine. And I said, don't you think that, sister? Get that out of your mind. Go right ahead with the child. Give it the medicine. God will make that known. Now, but the thing is fine. No. And then if it's thus saith the Lord, okay. Now, we find out here that these people, they're trying to manufacture something. Uh, Hagar and, uh, and Sarah to help Abraham. Help God to make his promise come true. You can't do that. There's no way at all of doing it. It's, it's against everything. God's word is going to happen anyhow. You've just got to stand right on the word and say it's this way. And keep the word. Now what? The manufacture something to take the place of his word. Maybe Abraham's friends too, if we ever noticed. Maybe Abraham's friends come by and said, Well, Father of Nations, how many children do you have now <laughs> when he's a hundred years old? <laughs> say, Father of Nations, Father of many, how many children do you have now? <laughs> Scoffers. Now haven't you seen the time? Yeah. Haven't we seen it when sometimes that we prayed for something that didn't happen? Here's such an old man, they say, he's blind, he's deaf, he's dumb, he's sick, he's done this. Go down and heal him, you divine healers. We'll believe it. Do they realize it's that same devil that said, come off the cross and I'll bleed you? Turn these stones into bread and I'll believe it? Okay? That same devil that tied a rag around our Lord's eyes and hit him on the head with a stick and said, now if you're a prophet, tell us who hit him, we'll believe you? Well, you know he knows who hit him. He could have turned those stones to bread. Or he could have come off the cross. But what would we be today if he had? See, they don't know the program of God. You must find out what God has promised. Now I must hurry. Now, now they might have said, Father of nations, we heard you 25 years ago say you're going to have a child by Sarah, and, and all that was going to come nations of people. Just how many children do you have at this time, Father of nations? <laughs> That's that same old critical spirit that was criticized. What did Abraham say? He staggered not at the promise of unbelief. Well, here you prayed for so-and-so, and they didn't get well. That doesn't matter. Amen. I pray for a 10,000 tonight and 10,000 die in the morning tomorrow night. I'm still not the sick and praying for them. Amen. God said so. It doesn't Amen. stop it a bit. God promised it. I believe it. Certainly. Don't make it as what they say still. But they'll scoff. That's a reproach of the word. Abraham standing on God's word. Finally, it was fulfilled. Oh, my. Watch the scoffness of barrenness. Being scoffed the reproach of barrenness first. They had, she had to stand the reproach of being barren for all those years. She was nearly a hundred years old. She's ninety. With the word of God that said she would also be princess, a mother of this child, and she and Abraham barren, both of their uh, their bodies as well as dead. But yet they never doubted that word one bit. But they had to stand that first, and then Hallelujah. God kept his word in that dark hour. Isaac was born, and his seed is like the sands of the sea or the stars of heaven. See? God always answers his word. Yes. Barrenness first, then Isaac. Zachariah and Elizabeth likewise. That old man and old woman still holding on him. When Zachariah come up there and could ride out on his slate and say, An angel met me. 
told me I'd bring forth a child by Elizabeth, my old wife here. I can't talk no more. I'm dumb. Now, I will be dumb till the day the baby's born. But there's coming a baby. Amen. And he's going to be the prophet of the highest. Amen. He'll introduce the morning star. He's the forerunner of the Messiah. How could it ever be? Some said, poor old fella. Oh, I, I guess he's kind of got a little bit off in his head, you know. There's a little something. Look, old Elizabeth out there around 80. And look, look, look at Zachariah, way old and shaking. And then he's going to say such a thing as that. Well, poor old fellow. But he had the word of the Lord. Yeah. Such a reproach till she hid herself for several days. But he stayed with the word. Oh, my. Refusing popularity. Refusing popular opinion. Refuse a polish of the day and the styles and things of their day. They refused it. They refused to walk with a crowd of unbelievers. They refused the things of the world. They had to do it to stay with God's Word. They had to do it. So is it today. You separate yourself from everything but you and God. It's not what the church does. It's what you do with God. It's you as an individual. Yes. But look what God gave him. When Jesus himself come, Zechariah was gone, and Elizabeth too. But when their son came in the wilderness, with thus saith the Lord, Jesus said there never was a man born of a woman as great as he is. Amen. What? She suffered the reproach of barrenness. She stayed on the word and delivered such a son. Like Sarah of old, like Abraham of old, the old couples held on to it. Look, a most that was ever born like the sands of the sea. There's not a race of people in the world as many as the Jews. Like the sands of the seas of the stars of the sky. What did happen? It happened in the minority. One child. Now you see where I'm going. Amen. One child. That's all it took. It took one child to shake the nation and point to the Messiah. Amen. The one obedience. That's right. God just needs one man. That's all he needs. Somewhere you have a voice. That's all he wants, to get one man in his control. Oh, how he loves to get one man. He got a Noah one time. He got a, he got a Moses one time. He got a, a Jeremiah. He got a, a Elijah. He got an Elisha. He got a John. He, he, gets, he got a Samson. As long as he can get one man in his control. That's his voice. He can speak to it. He can condemn the world. Oh, my, how he hungers and... Clines to get a man in his control. I can speak to him. I can let my voice be known. Though he'll stand a reproach, but I'll make my voice known. <laughs> oh, yes. Barrenness first. Had to be bare. Had to stand a reproach of barrenness. Sarah had to stand it. So did Zechariah and Elizabeth had to stand it. Look today! I'm going to say something. Look today at the children of the harlot. She's taken nations under the political rule of denomination. The heart and her daughters. Look what a generation of denominations raised up. And how few are the righteous. Don't you worry. Stay with the word. It's all right. You may be scoffed and called holy roller. You might be called on any kind of a bad name. But stay right there. It's the Word. The reproach of the Word. The thing that they'll say about you. A young fellow, he may be here this morning, he's a friend of mine, Jim Poole. Young Jim. His, uh, 
is people. He was asked the other day, well, if he was baptized here. Someone said to him, said, if you was going to be baptized in the church, why don't you get a big church, something, see? But he saw the light. That was it. See? More are the children of the unrighteous than there is of the righteous. Yeah. All right. How few are they of the righteous? Look what a little handful there was in the day of Noah. See? Look what it was in the days of Sodom. See? How few are the righteous? How many children the harlot has? She just brings children any way, but they're all bastard children. The harlot brings forth the harlot. The dog brings forth the dog. And the Christ brings forth the anointed. The battle brings forth the righteous. So we have to stand the thought of being a little bunch. What a gracious thing it is. Look at the great Ephesian church. There's only 12 in it. Look what a group we had today inside of them. There's only eight souls in the days of Noah. There's only five in the days of Lot. Noah, four. Lot and his wife and his two daughters. And she turned to a pillar of stone after she got out by looking back. Actually, three come out in that day. Jesus said, as it was in them days. Behooves us to watch and be careful. How few are the righteous. But as ever, the scoffers must reproach the bear, stand the reproach of barrenness first. Now, I just got to hurry. I'm sorry. I don't want to help get these kids. Just bear with me a little bit. Men are always the same as ever. Now, I'm going to say something again. And I want you, and I don't know where it's being taped or not, but if it is on tape, I want you to listen at me. You on the tape. Don't you miss it, but study it. Man now is like he's always been. He's praising God for what he's done, looking forward to what he will do, and ignoring what he has done and is doing. Amen. He praises God for what he has done. He looks forward to what he will do, but he ignores what God's doing today. He misses the whole thing. Amen. Amen. Hope they get it. <laughs> Ignoring what he is doing. He knows what he has done. And he knows the promise what he will do, but he fails to see what he's doing. Oh, you Pentecostals. If you're not an example of that, you're looking forward for something to happen that's always happened right under you and you don't know it. How awful he hovered you as a hen does a brood, but you would not. You thought more of your traditions and denominations than you did of his word and his spirit. Yes. <clears throat> what a reproach to Mary as we're closing. What a reproach to Mary and Joseph for his word. It's Christmas time. I was planning on holding this a little bit. But you'll hear much of it on radio and among the pastors and so forth. What a reproach for Mary and Joseph to hold to God's word of promise. Remember. Now, and the scorn. That lifted up eyebrow when he seen little Mary go by. Seen Joseph, you're marrying a prostitute, see? And remember, brother, adultery was death in them days. Now you keep her from getting killed. She's to be mother by you. And, but remember, all the time, God was dealing with them. And it was according to the word. And they didn't know it. A virgin shall bear a child. Joseph knew that. Mary knew that. Because after the word was written, 
There was an angel talking to them. Vindicating or manifesting the very word that was written that was going to happen. Amen. <laughs> Don't dream now. Think. The Holy Spirit come down to the earth. Never spoke to the whole congregation. He spoke to them. Amen. Joseph looked and before the angel had visited him, he said, well now, I love her, but uh, I'm a righteous man. I can't marry a woman like that. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, thou son of David, don't fear to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Oh, my. What a comfort. And Mary on her road to the well. The little virgin, about 17 years old, 18, married a man, had been married before and had four children. An old man. And she was, she loved him and, and she didn't know why. And he loved her and he didn't know why. And here there was, coming, going to the well to get some water and all studying upon the things that she, she was thinking of the scriptures, no doubt. And then a light flashed before her. When that light flashed, there stood an angel. wonder how little Mary felt. Did you ever think of that? I wonder if she felt as scared as I did yesterday. Hail, Mary! Hail means stop. Pay attention to what I'm going to tell you. Blessed art thou amongst the women, for you found favor with God. And you're going to bear a child, knowing no man, but you're going to have a child. And your cousin Elizabeth, being old too, she has conceived also and is going to bear a child. And these signs will be done. She said, how will these be? No, seeing I know not a man. He said, the Holy Ghost is going to overshadow you. Amen. That holy thing that will be born to you will be called the Son of God. Amen. Let the scoffers say what they want to. Amen. She knows it. She knowed it would be because God said so. Now, how she must have felt that day of the dedication or the coming for the circumcision of the baby. When there, she's walking up this little baby in her arms like that and all the women keeping their distance, all with fine needlework to dedicate their babies and have them circumcised and nearly all of them pulling a lamb. But she had two turtle doves cleansing for her own purification. The little baby wrapped in swaddling cloth made out of the yoke off of the back of an ox's neck. Yoke, the wrapping on the back of an ox. That was the swaddling cloth in the manger. They had nothing for him. It's too poor. And here she stood. No doubt all the women kept their distance from the little virgin. Said, you see, she's got an illegitimate child. See how God makes things so radical looking. Oh, my. He just pulls the wool right over Satan's eyes. How filthy, how dirty. Adultery. That's what she is. She's an adulteress. That didn't stop that beat little Mary's heart. Amen. They kept her distance from him. They're still doing the same thing. Call him now holy roller or fanatic or something. But Mary knew whose baby that was. She just kept on just the same. But oh, should they notice? And Simeon sitting back in the room. He'd been promised. He's went around prophesying. He said, the Lord appeared to me and said, I'll not see death. And he's 80-something then. I'm not going to see death before I see salvation. Amen. Oh, Simeon, you're old, son. You're, you're, he, the old fellow's kind of got uh, his head, you know, his little, just let him alone. He's harmless. He won't hurt nobody. 
But Simeon had the word of the Lord. For I saw the Spirit of God descend upon me. I stood and looked at him, and he told me, Simeon, you've been a righteous man, and you're not going to, I'm going to make you a testimony out there. Amen. That's all. What are you going to do that for, Lord? That's my business. My opinion is that he can sure pull the coal to him on that day. You had a witness. Why didn't you listen to it? There's old blind Anne sitting in the temple praying. The Lord revealed to her, Simeon is right. Amen. Amen. She couldn't see it daylight from dark. But she used to see farther than many people today has got good eyes. She saw in the Spirit, the coming Messiah, was at hand, the Spirit moving in her heart. See what a little bitty church it was? Zechariah, Elizabeth, Mary, John, Anne, and Simeon. Six out of the millions. Like in the days of Noah. Six of them. God dealt with every one of them. Amen. It's all in harmony. They all got together. Amen. Amen. Here old Simeon, here comes the little baby and you never heard nothing about it. Here's a baby and there's Simeon sitting in his room and the Spirit come on him. They move out, Simeon. Here he went walking, not know where he's going. Hallelujah. Like Abraham. Amen. He was seeking something. He didn't know where it was at. But he kept moving. Amen. And while he stopped, the Holy Spirit must have said to him, there he is. He reached over in Mary's arms, took up the baby in his arms, looked up and said, Lord, let thy servant now depart from this life in peace. My eyes is looking at your salvation. The thing that everybody was making fun of, what the women were shunning, Simeon said, it's your salvation, Lord. And about that time, here come an old blind woman, winding her way around. Staggered around through the audience, and she come up to him, and she also prophesied. Hallelujah! For she was looking for him. She told Mary, "A sword will pierce your heart, but it'll reveal the thoughts of many hearts." <laughs> what was it? I guess some of them women said, "I see that. You see what kind of place it is? There you are. See, that's it. See where it is? That old man cracked in the head. There he is, over there, standing before that prostitute girl, trying to say a thing like that. There you are. That illegitimate child." Look at that old Ann sits down here starving herself to death and going on like that. She don't not have any fun like we do, but there you are, see. She could belong to all the societies of the country. Here she come out, a pretty good family, see. And she could belong to that. But there she is, see how that bunch gets together? Oh, yes. Amen. Same thing today. Same heavenly places in Christ Jesus being lifted up by the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Sure. Yes, sir. Oh, have we just got a little bit more time about it? I got another character here I'm looking at. At that time when the word was being made manifest. The wise man. Wish I had time, Fred, for you to read that. You got your pocket? I guess many of you have seen it in the magazine. The thing that the Holy Spirit spoke down here at the river 33 years ago, they just dug it up. Amen. December the 9th. Proving it. Of that astronomy. How it, uh, Jupiter and them stars in their console... They've got an old astronomy counter markings of it. They've dug up. It is exactly that time this console came in uh, in the constellation of these stars and sold right down towards Babylon and the wise man brought it down. You remember? They crossed their orbits, low swung, billions of light years apart again. And that was Jewish wise man that was up at Babylon. They seen that console come into that constellation of stars. Three of them moving. 
been together to make that one morning star. And they know that by the word of God that that was the time when that stars come together that the Messiah was to be on earth. Yeah. That's the reason they started. Where is he born, King of the Jews? Where is he? Somewhere. Where were those stars come into their celestial bodies become into this one great uh, celestial body here where them trees moves together? Messiah will be on earth in that time. And when they moved into their orbits, them men knowed that the Messiah was on earth. They were masters in their field. They were a great man. They were masters in their field of religious science. They was watching the religious side of it. And they seen those stars move out under Jupiter and Sardis and then move into their, their line. And they said, we know the Messiah somewhere. So he must be in Jerusalem because that's the head place for the religion of the world. Of the religion of the Messiah. That's their headquarters. That's the denominational headquarters. That's where the great ecclesiastical group sits. And on camels they went, two years, down across the Tigris River and through the swamps and jungles, journeying, going to the city, hearts filled with joy. They knowed when that stars was hanging in there, and the, even the astronomers say today, if they actually, them stars come into that place again, they would make one star from where they're standing looking. But they had to be standing from that place to see. Amen. 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 <laughs> Depends on where you're standing. <laughs> Depends on what you're looking at. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. So they seen it. And they followed it. And it was right in line. No matter where they got, it was right in line with them. It led them. See? That's where you got to get all the scriptures lined up. Everything. Then stay in that line with the scriptures. Amen. That's the only way. It'll lead you right straight to him. <laughs> Certainly will. Hallelujah. Now notice. Here they come. Crying. Where is he? Born king of the Jews. Into Jerusalem, the star led them right there, right straight to the denominational headquarters. But when they turned aside for it, the star left them. Into the city they went. Up and down the street, they thought the city would be full of joy of God. Up and down the street with joy, they went screaming, Where is he that's born king of the Jews? We saw his star when we was in the east, and we've come to worship him. Remember, the star, they went westward. They were in the east, westward leading, still proceeding. These two... See, they were absolutely, they were, well, Babylon and India lays east of Palestine, kind of southeast, and they were going westward. Westward, leaning with the song, still proceeding, guide us through that perfect light. Yeah. A wise man was coming west, leaving the east, going west. And they seen that star. Now, if it's in the west looking backwards, they didn't see it. They, when they got there, guide them right there, then it left them, and they thought, here it is, the star has left. So here it is. They're in the city. So Almighty said everybody's just a singing and a happy and the glory of God's lit up everything. So here we are. We know that our we know that our achievement as we watch that console. No one no master could come up there and pull them stars together. And we know when that when that star is coming to that heavenly body, that's the time the Messiah's on the earth. Messiah's on the earth. And ever so many hundred years they pass their console again. And then there's a gift comes to the earth. Notice. The size on the earth when that, when that group of stars got together. And they know he was there, so they went to the headquarters of religion. And began going, saying, up and down the street they went, these camels, where is he? Where is he? Where is he? The foreign king of the Jews. We saw his star in the east here somewhere. Where is he? Where is he? Where is he? Where is he? <laughs> what a reproach. 
and went to the chief priest and said, Mine said, what's the matter with you fellow? Why, you bunch of fanatics. See, what a reproach up on their scientific achievement by the power of God. They seen his star, and they were wise men, smart. They were in the field of religious science. And they know when them stars got there, Messiah was somewhere. And you're the place that should have known it, know nothing about it. Well, I'd imagine the kids standing on the sheet said, Look at that. That's a bunch of fanatics. Listen at them. Saying, Where is he born? King of the Jews. They don't know what Herod's came down here. <laughs> they don't know what Bishop. <laughs> oh, my. Where is he this born, King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east. They said, Come here, all you wise men. Here, around here. Come here. Do you all see any star anywhere? Oh, I never see anything like that. All you astronomers come here. Did you all see any star anywhere? Nope. Nope. Hey, you see anything like any kind of a mysterious sign? Nope. We don't see anything like that. No, I don't yet either. Same thing. They don't see nothing. They can't see it. Uh, let's call in the, the ministers. What about you all? No. We never see no star. Well, what about you guys that keep time out here on the wall? You watch the stars, you know ever, you know ever console is in the heavens, you know ever star. Did you see anything? No, we ain't seen a thing. <laughs> but it was there. Glory to God. Oh my, can't you see it? It's there now. You can't see it. Hallelujah. It's going on right around them and they can't see it. Hallelujah. Oh, we didn't see nothing. Oh, I wonder why I didn't see nothing. Sure you don't. It's too blind. It's not far you to see it. Uh, you're that blind, but sure you won't see it. It's just to those who God will reveal it to. Amen. That's one who sees it. Always been that way. Sure. There was no one that could see the rain up in the skies, you know, but the rest of them couldn't do it. They didn't see the rain up there, but Noah see it. It was Abraham that seen Sarah holding the baby. That's right. Not the scoffers that said, Father of nations, how many children have you got now? How we could come on down through the Bible to sages and prophets all the way through... <coughs> Faith is the evidence of things not seen. They hold the word spoken and there it is. Here's the evidence of it. They see it. Now, notice, oh my, our wise men don't see that star. There's nothing to it. Why? Actually, when they were looking and they went in with such a group, the star went out. <laughs> Same thing today. That's what puts so many light out. <laughs> That's why it's getting hooked up with such a group as that. <laughs> they don't even believe it in the first place. And how are we going to have a, a union of churches? How are we going to walk together except we be agreed? How is the fellowship of, the, of this year worldwide, uh, all the, uh, the churches, the united churches of the world, how are we going to unite together when we are millions of miles apart? Oh, yeah. How are we going to do it? The evangelicals with the us and this and that and that and all together, yet united together with such a bunch of corruption. God's getting a wife that's pure, holy, unadulterated. Stays with his word. All right. Jesus reproach for the word. And then we'll stop. Just a minute. Jesus was reproached for the word. Look here. How could he stand the reproach? When he was the divine, incarnate God. He was God himself made flesh. Now, you know, the Bible says, so we handled him. Angels saw him. Let's think of that. I believe Timothy puts it something like that. See? 
that uh, without contradiction, great is the mystery of godliness, for God was manifested in the flesh. Mm-hmm. Seen of angels. Angels was at his birth. How the angels must have looked down and rejoiced when they looked down over the manger and seen God incarnate. Yeah. Amen. Oh. They know where they begin to scream, the city of David is born, Christ the Savior. Angels rejoice, and they swap their big wings together, and over the hills of Judea they sing, Glory to God in the highest! He's on earth, he's on the man. Hallelujah. They seen God's word as they watched over to see it manifested, and there it was. Hallelujah. Now, Satan didn't believe that. He said, If thou be. The angel said, He is. <laughs> That's the difference. If thou be, do so and so. Let us see you do it. But the angel said, He's there. The wise man with their religious science said, He's there. Amen. Amen. That's the reason archaeologists and everything today are digging up these things that's been prophesied a few years ago that would come to pass and here they are digging up. They never even, there's no history that ever said that Pontius Pilate was ever on earth. Did you know that? Some of you school kids tell me, where about some history said this Pontius Pilate? And unbelievers scoffs at it and make fun of it. Said there never was a, a Roman emperor named, uh, a governor named Pontius Pilate. But about six weeks ago, they dug up the cornerstone. Pontius Pilate, governor. Hallelujah. Oh, my. That's nonsense. They said there never was a Ramesses uh, in history, uh, Ramesses over Egypt. But they dug up a stone. Archaeologists. Ramesses the second. Notice. And they said that them walls never did fall down. Archaeologists was digging around. The first thing you know, they dug up way down in, uh, where the walls fell down in uh, Jericho. You know when the trumpet sounded? They said, that's just a myth, a song somebody said. Thing back there. Yeah, the scoffer says that. That was just a myth. You know when it was this thing as the walls falling, Joshua blasting a trumpet and running up to the walls and they went out and there was such a thing. And some great Christian archaeologist just kept digging because he knew it had to be so. He dug thirty some odd feet below where the rest of them was. There was the walls piled right on top of one another, just as the word said. Hallelujah. Yeah. They said there wasn't such a thing as David ever playing on his instrument, a string harp, called string music wasn't known until the fifteenth century. So there never was such a thing. Christian archaeologists dug up down in Egypt 4,000 years ago. They had string instruments. Hallelujah. Amen. Oh, my. They said about the Hebrew children making them stones and things like that out of straw. There wasn't such a thing. Archaeologists went to digging on there. What did they find? That's science. What did they find? The walls of the city that the Hebrews built. The first layer of stones was long straws. The second was chopped up in little bitty pieces of stubble. And the third had no straw in it at all. Amen. Oh. Nations are breaking. Hallelujah. Israel's awakening. The signs that the prophets foretold. Yes, sir. It's all moved right up to us, brother, sister. Why is it? In the last few years, never has the movie world ever done what it's done. On the screen comes a story of the Ten Commandments with Cecil DeMille. On the screen come the life of Jesus Christ who been heard. On the screen comes... The big fishermen, the conversion of Peter, and all these religious places which the movies has refused and dirtied and thrown away, but God in His mighty power blasted forth just the same. Right now, those things that have been said a few years ago, a poor little humble servant of myself of God, I said, there is a light that stood and talked to me and told me the things to do. People laughed and said, a little bit off at the head, there's a picture of His science stuck in, it's the truth. I said, the woman shattered to death. They said, a shatter. Now, that's nonsense. He just makes that up in his mind. That's a picture of it. God will make the rocks cry out. He's able to do what he wants to. Jesus, 
the reproach for the word, the divine Son of God standing there. Emmanuel! What a reproach. Let the unbelieving sinner bind him. Spit in his face and jerk handfuls of beard out and dare him to do anything about it. The reproach for the word. <laughs> what? To fulfill the Father's word. Oh! But remember, he must stand the reproach of death. God, who cannot die. Amen. And the only one that could die to save a sinner. No one else, no second person or third person could do it. God himself is the only one who can do it. Here he was. He said, there's no man to send it up but he to send it down. Amen. Even the Son of Man which now is in heaven. Amen. He said, our fathers eat men in the wilderness. Amen. And there, he said, and you say that you're the bread of life. He said, before Abraham was, I am. Amen. I'm the bread of life. I am the I am. It said, you're not 50 years old. It said, you saw Abraham. He said, before Abraham was, I am. And then the sinners binding the denominational church, binding. You remember in the last day, this rich Laodicean church, they put him out even. Yes. Of the church. You see where it's at now? Can you see why I'm crying out against that system? Amen. Why did Jesus... Let sinners bind him. It was to fulfill the word, bring a reproach to God dying. God had to die. He had to be flesh in order to die. Amen. And Jesus knew that. He told him about it. He said, destroy this temple. I'll raise it up again. Not somebody else raise it up. I'll raise it up. Amen. In three days, I'll bring it right back again. You destroy it. I'll raise it up. As Jonah was in the belly of the whale for three days and nights, so must the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth. And they didn't even understand it. See? A reproach for the Word. He, he was. Now, scoff unto death to raise again to eternal life. He first had to be put to death so he could raise to eternal life and bring every other human being that was in his farm to eternal life that would accept it. See? He become human, become a kinsman redeemer, and had to stand the reproach of all the scoffing and all the making fun of, just like his fellow servants did before him. Like Moses, like uh, Noah, like all the rest of them stood that scoffing. He had to stand the scoffing. Why? He had the Word. And he was the Word. That's when it scoffed him more than ever. He was divine. And the Word is God. Hallelujah. That's what made him, Jesus said, you hypocrites. Said you build the tombs of the prophets and you're the one that put them in there. They come with the word of God and you didn't believe them. You're guilty of every one of them. At Phoenix, God willing, I had a word the other day. I'm going to indict this generation for killing Jesus Christ. Crucifying him afresh. I'm going to bring an indictment. Before that ministerial association, God willing. Amen. You're guilty of the blood of Jesus Christ for crucifying him afresh. Amen. Yes, sir. Indict the whole. Peter indicted him on the day of Pentecost. Yes, sir. He yes, said, you with wicked hands have crucified amen. the peace of life who God raised up yeah. here with Amen. Amen. He brought an indictment. Hallelujah. I'm going to take the word of God and indict every denomination there is. And every man on the face here is a guilty of the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. God help me to be his attorney at that day. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. Yes. Oh, scoffers made fun of him. They reproached him. He stayed right with it. Amen. Hallelujah. Oh, 
Watch what he did. He was the Son of God, suffered death in order to put sin to death. He had to do that. There's the only way it could be put to death. And he did this and stood it. Because all the rest of them did. Because all of them back there had the miniature Word of God. Because Jesus said so. The, the Word of the Lord came to the prophet. Amen. Which one of them he said it's your father's, your organized religion didn't stone and put to death? Which one of them received the prophet? Then you build their tomb after they're gone. Said you're the guilty of putting them in there. Amen. Then you give them the parable Amen. about the vineyard let out and servants come they mistreated them and finally said now we'll kill the son because he's the heir. Oh, they got angry when they seen that. Amen. See? But he had to stand the reproach. And here he has himself bound, leads up to death in order to be put to death to bring back eternal life. Oh, God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Oh, I love him. Amen. Bring back eternal life and raise up Hallelujah. every son of God down to the age. Amen. Stip of that word and tuck the reproach. Amen. Right. If he hadn't come, Noah couldn't raise. If he hadn't come, Elijah couldn't come back. If he hadn't come, Noah would never raise. Oh. If, he could, if he hadn't come, because he was that predestinated lamb. Amen. That God could take the reproach upon himself and die to death for every word of God that had been spoken to these righteous men that stood for. Hallelujah. It had to be. No one else could do it. God himself. And he come and took the place that he might redeem and give eternal life to every son of God that has stood for the same word. Praise <laughs> the name of the Lord. And would suffer really the reproach. Every son of God down through the age that would stand a reproach. There was no one could redeem him, but by faith he saw that Redeemer coming. Job saw him. Job stood back there and they said, Oh, you're a secret sinner. God's just mistreating you because you're a secret sinner. He said, I know my Redeemer liveth. At the last days you'll spend on earth till the skinworm destroys this body, yet in my flesh I'll see God. His wife said, Won't you curse him and die? He said, You look like a miserable wretch. He said, You talk like a foolish woman. Amen. There he was. I know he lives. And he'll stand at the last day. If Jesus hadn't come, Job couldn't have been redeemed. Because he was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. He knew his place. He knew his position. That's the reason Mary recognized that position that day when she came out of it. He said, if I had been here, my brother would not die. He said, thou, brother, shall rise again. He said, yes, Lord, in the resurrection. He was a good boy. Jesus said, but I am that resurrection. Believe us out this. She said, yeah, Lord, I believe that you are the Son of God that was to come into the world. He said, where have you buried him? Amen. She recognized that that little woman wasn't saying that. She had seven devils cast out of her. She knew the power of God that could take pride and strut and everything away from her. That could take that little selfish Amen. high school spirit out of her. That could make her a new creature. Hallelujah. She cast seven devils out. Them women know what he was who accepted him. They know what he could do for them. So did he today, too. Amen. Just accepted. That's the next thing. Amen. There, he's, she said that. And he, you know what's taking place? Oh, all that would suffer for the same word he died for that cause. He was the only one that could die to do it. For he was the word. <laughs> he was the word. The word made manifest. All the other had little dips, but here was the fullness of God. Isn't it? The same he is today. Hebrews 13, 8. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Listen. I'm closing. Really, I'm going to do it. Just have to. I'm way past time. He never wrote one word. Did he? Never wrote a word. Why? He was the word. Amen. 
He was what the word that had been wrote. He was the manifestation of that word. Now I feel good. He was the word. He didn't have to write nothing. He was the word. written word made manifest. Glory to God. He's the same today. Yes, he is the word. Word made manifest. You say, is that right, Brother Bram? What's Jehovah stand back and go and speak across them waves like that and make the world for Israel to walk through? What's Jehovah in flesh say, peace be still. When the waves is beating the banks of the storm and the devil licking on everything like that, he said, peace be still, and it obeyed him. The winds and all, he was Jehovah. Hey, man, that Jehovah that could stand oh, and sprinkle a few dewdrops out let it fall to the earth and be made bread to feed the people. He stood and took five fish, or five biscuits and two fish and fed five thousand. Amen. He was the word. Hey, man. He's the word. Hallelujah. And he ever will be the word. All right. And for me and my house, we'll serve the word. Oh, I want to see him. want to look up on his face. There, thank forever of his saving grace. On the streets of glory, let me lift my voice. When tears all pass, home at last, ever to rejoice. Oh, my. Yes, bear the reproach of the word. There's a reproach goes with the word. Stay right with the word and bear the reproach. Let's pray. Jesus, as the other night, Lord, I cried, Oh, Jesus, what will you have me do? What can I do, Lord, seeing these things and knowing the hour that we're living? What can I do, Lord? What can I do? I pray for my little church here, Lord. I think of the little birds and the vision, the things that has been, and the other birds, which are great things, but there were three deaths of them, Lord. But when an angel stepped in, there was no birds left. The little messengers has been wonderful, Lord, but I believe that there's something just fixing to take place. Let it be, Lord. Mold us and make us after your way. We are, we are the clay. You are the potter. On this Christmas Eve, Lord, we're grateful for the gift of God. For God giving to us, though this be some, as we believe in our hearts, some pagan superstition of a day, that they have tried to mold in and make it be like a, a mass, Christ mass. But we are not coming in that way of Santa Claus and Christmas trees and, and decorations. But we are coming in the name of the Lord Jesus. To worship the God of heaven that was made incarnate flesh like us and dwelt among us to redeem us. And suffered the reproach of the name. Suffered the reproach of the cross to let a worldly institution put Emmanuel to death. In order that he could bring us to eternal life. Who are we, Lord? Who are we that we should shun any reproach? God, make us gallant soldiers. I commit these words to you, Father. They might have been broken up, tired and weary as I am, but 
Father, reward these people for sitting listening, and may the power that brought up our Lord and presented to us here for a Savior in this last day, may it quicken every spirit in here, Lord, to the nearness of the coming of the Lord Jesus. May it be so, Father. Heal the sick and afflicted that's among us. Bind up the brokenhearted. Lord, we're, we went through so much. My heart's got so many scars on it, Lord, from hard battles. I'm an old veteran. Help me, Lord. I need your help. Maybe all the trust it has been, Lord. Help me, oh God, and help this church and bless us together. Bless the little children. I'm thinking of the many today, little poor little fellows won't receive anything out there. And I, I pray that you'll be with them and help them. Give them eternal life, Lord. That's the great, that's the Christmas gift that we want, is the life of Jesus Christ to rule and reign in my heart. That's what I want, Lord. Bless us together now. We commit these words to you. Let them fall wherever they will, Lord, wherever that ever heart's open. May they bring forth a great time of salvation in Jesus' name. Amen. Ever who, how many love him? I mean, such a hurry about anyhow. Oh, I love him. I love him. Lord, what will thou have me do? <laughs> Don't forget the services tonight. You know what Christmas means now? Oh, this is my Christmas gift. This is that word. Lord, if I can just let myself... If I can just get myself out of the way so that your word can express it, itself out through here, that's, that's the greatest thing I know of. Now, I think they've got some things you want to give to the children. Now, I'll turn the service back to Brother Neville. God bless you, Brother Neville.